0: What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, March 16th, 2015. Yesterday was Selection Sunday, and I got my brackets in hand right now. And I'll tell you this, I don't see anyone beating Kentucky. I look at Kentucky's bracket, I know that's, that's not really going out on a limb or anything, but... Kentucky's 34-0 and 0 for a reason, and they are just downright dominant. I mean, they're not going to lose the first round to either Hampton or Manhattan. They will play the winner of Cincinnati and Purdue. Do we honestly think either of those two teams are going to be Kentucky? No. We can already put Kentucky into the Sweet 16. And at that point, you're looking at a matchup between either West Virginia, Buffalo, Maryland, Valparaiso. Um you know Maryland if you want to from what I've seen in recent recent days or weeks Maryland's got some got some kids who can shoot the ball and maybe that you know maybe that's going to be the thing that could knock Kentucky out a team that has a backcourt that shoots the lights out and has the game of their life shooting the basketball from behind the three point line maybe that's going to be it I don't know I also see, saw, though, this season, you know, the one team down the stretch that came closest to beating Kentucky was Georgia. And I the, the way they did it, I mean, it wasn't behind the three-point line. Georgia was something like three for 17 from behind the three-point line in that game. And they really the, the way Georgia stayed in that game was feeding the ball down low, and they went to work on Kentucky's bigs. I didn't think it was going to be that way for a team— you know, to have a shot, but that, that was a, a game that, at least from what I saw, and I've watched a lot of Kentucky, the Georgia game a couple weeks ago, that was the game that, in which Kentucky almost lost. Now, Kentucky pulled away and won, as we know. They haven't lost yet. But I guess if you want to look at a team here in the top half of the Midwest bracket that Kentucky's in and put Kentucky into the Sweet 16, I guess we're going to look at Maryland. I'm going to put Maryland into that game. And if Maryland's going to have a shot, or if anybody in this bracket's going to have a shot, it could be Maryland based on the fact that they can shoot. Now, I know you can look down a little bit and look at Notre Dame and see how they finished their season of winning that championship, and they are the three seed with a 29-5 and five record. That's a veteran club uh, who can score. And, you know, maybe you look at them and give them a chance, too, but I still think it's going to be awfully tough to knock Kentucky off. And uh, Kentucky right now is, I'm going to put, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to put them as my, I mean, I put them down to win. I, I don't see anyone beating them. You know, they might get a couple of tough games. Maryland, uh, maybe if, if Notre Dame ends up getting there, but there's no guarantee that Notre Dame gets to the Elite Eight, right? There's no guarantee with that. So uh, you, uh, to me, Kentucky, it's just, they're too good. And I know that's not going out in a limb. But I sit here with my bracket, and, and, and I guess the only question is, who are they going to play? You know, who do they play in the Final Four? Wisconsin's the one seed in that west bracket. Uh, then you go across the board to the east bracket. Villanova's the one seed there. And then down to the south, Duke is the one seed in the south. Uh, who know, you know, we could very well be looking at Duke-Kentucky in the national championship game on April 6th in Indianapolis, but uh, I will make my complete picks, I won't give you all of my picks here on this show, because I know that's pretty. that would be pretty boring for me to just sit here and run through all my picks, but uh, what we will do is announce here, and I'll announce it right now, we do have a pool, an NCAA March Madness uh, bracket pool tourney challenge, it's on Yahoo, go to Yahoo Sports, fill it out. It's called the Danny Picard Show, but follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard or go to my website, DannyPicard.com, and I will post the link in which everybody, anybody, it's a public group. You can fill out a bracket, one bracket per person, one bracket per username, and the winner of the March Madness Pool of the Danny Picard Show Pool will win a $100 gift card to Beantown Athletics here in Dorchester, and don't worry, even if you're not from Boston, we will find a way to get that to you, and we will allow you to purchase some stuff, uh, whether it's over the internet, over the phone, you don't need to be from Boston to be able to win this $100 gift card to Beantown Athletics here in Dorchester, Massachusetts, but sticking with basketball uh, for a moment, uh, before I get into some other stuff, maybe some spring training, uh, maybe some NFL offseason stuff as well on today's show. Um, I did over the weekend on WEI on my weekend radio show. I basically I tried to I did make an effort to get away from the Revis stuff because I know all week on this podcast I've been very upset with the Patriots not bringing Revis back, and I did open Saturday show a little bit talking about about Revis, but I opened it up Bruins. Celtics NBA Stanley cup playoff stuff and all the phone calls I received had to do with Revis and the Patriots and NFL offseason so I gave you the I gave you the the effort of trying to change the topic but people didn't want it it's still a big story then yesterday on Sunday show I sort of said the same thing I said look we can get into Celtics the Celtics run a roll here in Boston they're trying to get into the playoffs um do I think they're going to win a championship? No. And I weighed the pros and cons of them getting in. You know, you and people, you know, Celtics fans call, but you get some callers that that whine. Like there was one guy that just started whining about um, you know, the Celtics you know getting, you know, you said, "Well, you shouldn't hold out for them to to not make the playoffs." And you know, look, I'm why are we whining about it? Don't fucking whine about it. I mean, I'm giving you what you want. You want to talk Celtics, so you never win, because the minute you start talking Celtics, you start getting tweets in that say, why are you talking Celtics? Why are you going to talk about the Celtics? Well, you can watch the NCAA tournament now, and I think it has something to do with the Celtics, because the Celtics don't necessarily— they might not make the playoffs, which means that they'll get a better draft pick than, make, than if they did make the playoffs, because if they make the playoffs, they have to keep winning. And if they don't make the playoffs— and there was another call I had yesterday too. We, 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 we had a miscommunication. I think on what the caller was trying to say. He was getting into the rules of the lottery, and I wasn't. I wasn't really. My point wasn't about the NBA lottery draft lottery rules. My point being was, and maybe I didn't clarify this enough, was, and I just thought it was implied. If the Celtics don't make the playoffs, that means they begin to lose, and that means other teams either continue to win, you know, or or teams below them surpass them and win, and so if the Celtics don't make the playoffs, that means they'll, they could have a chance to get either, I don't know, seven, eight, or nine pick uh, in the NBA draft, and if you look at the NBA standings, and you want to take a look at, you know, what teams are ahead of the Celtics right now, and what pick they could get. You know, I did, I did it out. I said, you look at the Western Conference. Okay, 14 wins. Uh, the Celtics right now have 29 wins. Let's look at the teams that have less than that. Minnesota, Lakers, Sacramento, uh, Denver. And then you got Utah with the same at 29. We'll throw them in just for shits and giggles. So that's five teams. You go to the East, who has less th- less wins than the Celtics. The Knicks, the 76ers, the Magic, the Pistons, uh, the Nets. And then you get the Celtics. So you get 10 teams, nine teams with a worse record than the Celtics. One of those 10 teams has the same record as the Celtics. Um, And my point being, if the Celtics didn't make the playoffs, that means they're probably going to lose some games here down the stretch. And I think that's very possible. And if that happens, they absolutely could get the seventh, the eighth, or the ninth pick. In the NBA draft, depending on where they end up, depending on, you know, but I don't want to get into an argument about what, where exactly they could get up or because we don't know. I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens. It's going to be interesting. The Celtics have been a very exciting team to watch, but I won't lie to you. I don't foresee them. I don't foresee them keeping this up. I just don't. And if they don't, I don't know that it's the end of the world. In fact, in fact, I know it's not the end of the world. Because you get a draft now, and you're going to see some of these kids in the NCAA tournament. And one kid I got my eye on, and I'm sort of shocked to see how far down in the draft, you know, these mock drafts, I'm shocked to see how far down some people have. Now, this is funny. Here's a funny thing I give you. Because this website... NBADraft.net, there's a bunch of different drafts, but NBADraft.net, it's funny, the, this, this, this is interesting, you're going to like this Pete, the last couple days, and I'm not, I'm, I am don't want to take credit for what they do on NBADraft.net, but the last three or four days, I'll just say the last two on my weekend radio show on FM Radio 93.7 weei in Boston, both days I talked about a certain player, a certain seven footer, a certain rim protector. A certain shot blocker for the best team in the country, in Kentucky, in Willie Cauley-Stein. And I mentioned on the show, on my weekend show, that Saturday morning I woke up and I said, ah, fuck it, I'm going to go look at a mock draft. I have no idea where they have certain guys going. But based on my eye test of what I've seen, there are a couple kids that you know are going high. Okafor, to me, is, you know, lock it down, number one. Is, I mean, if you don't take Oka for number one, you fucked up in the NBA draft, okay? If you don't take Jaleel Oka for number one overall, you fucked up. Um, after that, there's a couple other bigs you could look at. The kid Towns from Kentucky, certainly, I thought would be in the conversation, top five pick. Uh, there's another player that I've been raving about all season long, the, uh, the, the shooting forward there from Arizona, uh, Stanley Johnson. You know he's I you call him a three? Eh, could be a big two. I don't I don't know. I, I guess the way I see him playing, he's ferocious. Takes the ball to the basket, but also his he, he, he's a defender. He's a shutdown, lockdown defender. He seems to have a long wingspan. Gets his hands on balls on passes. Gets it in lanes. Love to watch the kid play. Stanley Johnson from Arizona. I figured he'd be top five. I also thought no-brainer Willie Cauley-Stein from Kentucky would be a top-five potential pick. So I went to some of the mock drafts, and this one, which is one of the top hits when you Google it, NBA Draft.Net. And I say, why are you googling? <laughs> well, I'm googling because I want I want the uh, I I want to look at to, to see what the draft order potentially is for for some of these guys. I want to see what 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 the people who who study college basketball every single day while someone like myself is paying more attention to NFL football or NBA basketball, NHL hockey, or major league baseball offseason stuff. I, I wanna see what, you know, the people who watch college basketball every day think of a potential mock draft. You got this website, which I assume to be a pretty big, NBA draft.net. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it is one of the top hits on Google when you do look it up. Now, there's some other ones. You get the experts that make their picks as well, and I keep those into account. But on this site, they had Willie Cauley-Stein all weekend going 14th overall at Houston. And I'm saying, what is going on? That doesn't make any sense. This kid is exactly what I would think any NBA team would want, a 7-footer, rim protector, elite shot blocker who can run the floor is athletic i you know i don't see much wrong with his game obviously i think his offense can improve but i i think that look it's rare to find a talent like that on the defensive side of things and willie cauley stein i so i ranted and raved about that all weekend and i said i'm shocked that they haven't people haven't gone that late well today on nba draft.net this morning 10th Overall, to the Celtics. Now, I don't want to take credit for what they're doing over there at NBADraft.net, but let me say this. I do feel like there's some type of voice that I have in in the in that radio, little small radio realm of my head that I think I'm in. Um, Celtics, 10th overall, Willie Cauley-Stein. You kidding me? You take him. If, you know... I'm, but I'd be shocked if Willie Cauley-Stein is even available 10th overall. I'd be shocked if he's available 10th. Uh, so, now, if the, my point being, if the Celtics didn't make the playoffs, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Because I do think that the excitement this team has shown, it's done a couple things. It's told you that Brad Stevens is doing a tremendous job. And if he's not in, in conversation for Coach of the Year, then then the people who evaluate this and put these coaches in the conversations, I, I don't know, they they need to have a, a bucket of hot coffee dumped over their heads to wake them up. Uh, Brad Stevens needs to be in the discussion, even if the Celtics don't make the playoffs and what he's done with his team, right? You see that. It does a couple things. Brad Stevens, um, I think it increases some trade value for some players who might be having career years, certainly, I, I also think that you're getting, you know, a a group that's learning how to how to win. And if you can look at that, take that excitement into account with who the coach is and what he's doing for this organization, I think you say to yourself, Well, maybe we're not as far off as we thought we were in this town with the Celtics organization. And and perhaps if Danny Ainge can get creative this offseason, then there's gonna be some there could be an interesting move or two, whether it's trade, whether it's signing a free agent, but also whether it's a big-time draft pick, like having a good enough pick to be able to get a player and a talented defender, rim protector, like a Willie Cauley Stein in the first round of the draft. If you can get him, right? Because do we think the, C- the Celtics are going to win a championship? Come on, if you think the Celtics, I have saw some people tweet, hey, the Celtics team is for real. Well, what do you mean by for real? You mean by for real they can get into the playoffs and maybe, you know, play with house money and sneak up on a team and give them a run for their money in the first round? Maybe that should be the definition of for real. Not for real, get into the playoffs, upset the one seed or even the two seed and, and then make a championship run. I mean, let's be serious here. Let's be realistic with this conversation now. That's not going to happen. Now, I, I don't think if you make the playoffs and you get some of the young kids' playoff experience with the Celtics team, like Amaka Smot, there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. That's a great thing. But if you ask me what I would prefer, I would prefer this Celtics team to be able to have a big offseason by not just maybe trading for a, for a stud, uh, I don't know, elite scoring, you know, guy in the wing, also maybe going out and signing someone, Um, Greg Monroe's available, would love that, but also then being able to make a monster draft pick, like a Willie Cauley-Stein, and I know I've thrown that name out the last couple days on my weekend radio show, and maybe you're sick of hearing about it, but you're going to see a lot of them here in the NCAA tournament, and when you do see a lot of them, as crazy as that sounds, not to say the scouts haven't done their job. Not to say that these guys in these mock drafts haven't done their job. Or the experts haven't done their job. But when you start to see more in the national spotlight and see some of these kids... You see Willie Cauley-Stein swatting balls into the fifth row on the national stage in the NCAA tournament. I believe his draft his draft stock is going to only get better. So I'd be shocked if he, even if he felt the tenth. But I, I, you can't rule out that if the Celtics don't make the playoffs... Other teams are surpassing them because it means they're losing. And they end up with a 7th, maybe an 8th pick. And you can get you, – you'd take Carly Stein if he's available then. I still think it's not crazy to think that he's going to uh, run up the charts. Now, I don't think Detroit would take him at 7 unless Detroit says, hey, you know, we're going to lose Monroe to free agency and and we're going to get – we're going to take him. You know, Drummond, Carly Stein, that's – that would be quite the – uh, quite the front co- front court. I mean, that would be big, but keep your eye on it. It's just something to watch for, NCAA tournament, look for some guys, think of the draft, Uh, because as much as, you know, we all like to think and look at our brackets and think we got a shot, I think that if you don't have Kentucky winning the national championship, uh, you, you know, you might be shit out of luck. Because this these brackets are going to come down to what you can do in the Elite Eight. Can you get a couple sleeper teams in the Elite Eight in, in these brackets? Uh, because I, I do think that you, you have to pick Kentucky to win it, right? I mean, if you don't, you're banking on a major upset the entire tournament. I just don't know that's going to happen. Kentucky's too good. They're too good. We'll see how the pressure, you know, gets to them. Because there will be pressure. No question. Uh, but we'll keep an eye on some—I will be keeping an eye on some of the players that— could be and will be taken uh, early in the NBA draft. So, I there's some basketball for you. With regards to the NBA standings, if they began today, Oklahoma City is in at the 8th seed in the Western Conference, uh, a game ahead of New Orleans. And in the Eastern Conference, uh, the Celtics are still on the outside looking in, but just just by half a game, though. Just by half a game. And they get the 76ers tonight, which... You would think would be an easy task, but crazier things, crazier things have happened. So moving on from basketball right now and just sort of going back over the weekend as to what went down. Um, How about those fights all weekend? Pete, you watch any of those fights? No? Yeah? Maybe so? No, yeah. I saw you tweeting about them the other night, though. Uh, I didn't didn't watch any. Well, the Sean Porter fight Friday night, the premier boxing championships that we keep talking about that they're going to have every weekend. It was on Friday night on Spike TV. They did the same thing with the the entrances. You know, the guy enters by himself. But Sean Porter, the guy he, who he was supposed to fight, got sick the night before. So they had to throw a random kid in with him the next day. And, you know, at first I'm saying, I'm looking at the kid. They said, oh, he's, I think they said he's never fought on TV before. He's never had a big fight. I'm saying Porter's going to knock this kid out in the first round. Kid gets in the ring with him. And you could tell. Eyes were lit up. This was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. He was fast. He was quick. He was just playing with house money, and he was almost closing his eyes and just swinging. And that was a bad thing, I thought, for Porter at first. He connected a couple, and I think Porter got shaken up. Now, Porter ended up knocking him out a couple rounds later. But there was a moment, a couple moments in this fight where I'm thinking, wow, maybe this isn't good for him. Maybe this isn't good for Porter, you know? having a kid who who basically was just playing with house money and was in there swinging for the fences. Uh, and then Saturday night was the big fight, the light heavyweight championship. Kovalev put his belts on the line uh, against John Pascal. Pascal in his hometown of Montreal at the Bell Center. I don't know why we weren't there for that. It just seemed like an awesome atmosphere for that fight. Um, but Pascal... Looked like he was going to get knocked out in the end of the third round. And then, luckily, the bell rang. And, and if the if that fight went 15 seconds longer in the third round, Kovalev would have knocked him out in that round. But the bell rang. Uh, and then, Pascal had a little bit of a, a, a comeback. You know, he connected a couple punches. He looked like he was done, connected, uh, won a couple rounds in my book. And then Kovalev... In the eighth round, it was a weird turn of events. Kovalev hit Pascal with a couple of big rights. And then and then he fell. Kovalev fell to the mat. And it, 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 he just tripped or he slipped or something. And once he falls, you're saying, wait, did Pascal hit him with a punch? Now, Pascal did not hit him with a punch. Kovalev just tripped as he was about to knock him out in the corner. So the ref had to tell Kovalev to go over to the corner. And then, as he turned to look to tell Pascal to get back to his corner before they let him fight again, Pascal was in La La Land, and he tr- he tripped over his own feet, and he had rubber legs, and he fell into the ropes all the way on the other side. And the ref looks at him and goes, "Uh oh, this could be over soon." And Kovalev looks at the ref and says, "You're gonna? Are we gonna keep going? Because clearly Pascal was out of it." Ref says, looks at him. Pascal's standing up. He says, "Yeah, go ahead." Kovalev walks over to the corner. One right real quick, second right, ref steps in, calls the fight. Um, Pascal was pissed. Afterwards, he said he wanted a rematch. He doesn't know why they stopped it, but I thought it was a great stoppage. I thought it was a great stoppage. The fact that he looked over right before and he saw Pascal falling over and couldn't even stand up, I think the ref said in his head, he goes, if Kovalev hits him with a couple good shots and he can't defend himself anymore, I got to stop this. And that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what happened. I thought it was a great stoppage. Kovalev wins. Knockout in the eighth round. Um, And now the question is, will Adonis Stevenson fight him? He was in the crowd. Adonis Stevenson. Will he fight him? Um, Adonis Stevenson technically is the champ of the light heavy, even though Kovalev has three belts, right? Has a couple of the belts. More belts than Stevenson. Adonis Stevenson is the linear champ, they call it cuz you know he beat the man, he beat the guy that was the main champ before him. So technically Stevenson is the main guy. Is the, the top dog in the light heavyweight division. But if you've watched the light heavyweight division, you know that Sergey Kovalev, you know, is is really the, is really the unstoppable force. So Stevenson's going to need to fight him. I, he hasn't wanted he didn't want he doesn't want to fight him. He's going to have to though. That's going to that Adonis Stevenson Sergey Kovalev, light heavyweight, right, to see who's the best in the world. That's the fight. That's going to be the big fight. That That's going to be the big one of the biggest fights in a long time. I know we're all jacked up about Mayweather Pacquiao, but I'm sorry. That should have happened five years ago. Uh, I think Kovalev-Stevenson would be one of the best fights we've seen in a long time, and I think it should be one of the more pumped-up uh, promoted fights we've seen, maybe even more so than Mayweather-Pacquiao. You know, Mayweather-Pacquiao, they have the names, the name recognition right now going for them that they've had the last five, ten years. But I, the much better fight, is going to be Kovalev-Stevenson if Stevenson gets in the ring with him. He's going to have to at some point. But a nice win, great fight, Kovalev-Pascal. Pascal did show tremendous heart. That his eleven-year-old daughter was in the stands, and by you know second, third round, they she left. They had. They said they had to send her out because Pascal was getting lit up to the point where Pascal was against the ropes and couldn't even defend himself really anymore, but somehow was staying in the fight and then he did at the end of i believe the fourth round the third fourth round as he was about to get knocked out he just he hit Kovalev with a shot that I think stung him up a little bit and, and that's where his comeback began, and Pascal won a couple of rounds, but he just didn't have enough left kovalev. Hit him with a couple more big ones. And as I just told you, uh, ref had to jump in in the eighth. And Kovalev is really the guy to beat in the light heavyweight division. So we'll see if Stevenson wants to fight him or not. But uh, some exciting fights over the weekend. And, um, you know, on top of that, we're taking a look at the NFL offseason still and the moves that are made. Uh, Here in New England, Reggie Bush visited on Friday and he didn't stay here. He signed with the 49ers. I thought Reggie Bush was going to be a guy that they could, you know, replace, use him to replace Vereen. Vince Wilfork is visiting the Houston Texans. Um, and the Patriots fans, they want to know what the Patriots are going to do defensively. I don't know. No Browner, no Revis. You know, I'm, I'm upset with that. I don't know where they're going to go. Some people's theory are that they're going to try to put together this ferocious uh, pass rush. Well, they're going to have to add some pieces. And a piece that's out there that some people are uh, hinting towards or at least kicking the tires on, I don't know if the Patriots are kicking the tires, but, you know, some fans and analysts are kicking the tires, is Greg Hardy. 26-year-old defensive end Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, who in 2013 had 15 sacks who in 2012 had 11 sacks, who looked as if this guy was only getting better. And obviously the story with Greg Hardy goes beyond football, goes beyond quarterback sacks. Uh, This story has gone on to turn into Greg Hardy and throwing his girlfriend on a bed full of guns. Okay, Uh, this this is a guy you want to stay away from. I hope the Patriots stay away from him. I can't even believe that people even bring his name up here in New England. Uh, don't don't go anywhere near Greg Hardy. I mean, if they go near Greg Hardy, it's because you could probably get him on the cheap right now. But I'm all set. You should have paid the money for Revis and even Browner once the Revis thing was done. You didn't do that. Stay away from Greg Hardy. Now, speaking of the Patriots wanting to get a guy on the cheap, They might be trying to get Stevie Johnson on the cheap. Apparently, Stevie Johnson is in New England today visiting the Patriots. Former wide receiver from the Bills. Um, Former wide receiver for the 49ers. He went to a 49ers team that had a whole lot of receivers, and he didn't really factor in as one of their top dogs. And really looks to be on... I, I, I mean, I don't want to say he has nothing left in the tank, but... He's not a very highly coveted receiver right now, but he does have a whole lot of uh, a lot of talent. And the Patriots might be able to, might be trying to bring him in on the cheap. If they can, go ahead. I've seen some people say that this is the guy that will beat Revis when you play the Jets twice a year. Come on. Instead of trying to get an offensive guy to beat Revis, how about you try to get a defensive guy that is and you'll never upgrade from Revis, but try to go out and trade for someone, a cornerback, that can be somewhat productive at that position. Um, if the Patriots get Stevie Johnson on the cheap, fine. If they don't, it's not the end of the world to me. I think the Patriots, you know, people get up in arms in this town about the weapons, right? That Tom Brady, you know, he's getting late in his career, all these weapons. Well, what did that turn out to be? Protection on the offensive line. You protect Tom Brady. All of a sudden, he's distributing the football all over the place, and he has weapons. So um, I- I'm okay if they don't get Stevie Johnson. If they get him on the cheap, fine. But I'm okay if they don't bring him in. So that's what the NFL uh, looks like right now, and what some of the moves, some of the moves that are being made, at least he had been thought thought of being made locally with this Patriots team. My advice would be stay away from Greg Hardy though. That would that would be my advice. I'm actually it's it's almost laughable that people are bringing it up. Do we really think the patriots are going to go there? No. I, and if they do, I'll be shocked and I'll tell you it's not a good move. You you just you just got to stay away from that right now. That that's it's more uh, that when you you know, you try to stay away from a guy right now, that's going to bring to the table more than football. And not just more than football, but the story that is the Greg Hardy story, away from the game, especially at this point in time. I mean, forget about at this point in time. In general, ever, anywhere, in any league, in any sport, in any career, you shouldn't want the, a guy who did what he did uh, a, around your, in your office, on your team, in your locker room, in your organization. That's just not a guy you bring in. I'm sorry. It's not. So stay away from it. Um, spring training, we're getting close to the regular season baseball. And that means, you know, you're starting to look at, you're starting to look at certain pitches, or at least I'm doing that. And and I'm not going to sit here and overreact to anything that is either too much success or too much failure. Uh, A top story today in the world of Major League Baseball has to do with the New York Mets. You got a feel for the Mets. Matt Harvey comes back. And you think, hey, this Mets, the Mets fans probably think, hey, the Mets rotation, it's a rotation that could get us back into a playoff hunt, right? And all of a sudden, you know, you wake up today, and if you're a Mets fan, you see news that one of the young top pitchers, Zach Wheeler, is going to miss the season with Tommy John surgery. He's going to have Tommy John. 24-year-old Zach Wheeler turns 25 at the end of May. Uh, last year, 32 starts, an ERA of 3.54, had 187 strikeouts, uh, compared to his 79 walks, had an 11 and 11 record. But clearly, was somebody that was making that leap uh, as a a very good starting pitcher in the majors. And now that you get Harvey back, you're thinking, if you're a Met fan, all right, we're putting together a nice rotation here, and Wheel is certainly a big part of that. And now you got to find out here on March 16th that Wheeler is going to miss the season with Tommy John man that's as tough as it comes for news uh in in the spring that's that's tough news that's awful news so i i feel for Mets fans right now because that they've had a tough go at things the last couple seasons and you would think that if there was any hope obviously you look at their offense they can't put up runs But, I mean, they had to move the fences in, for crying out loud, at at the new field, at City Field, right? They moved the fences in a little bit, I believe, just to try and help, you know, uh, look, help get some home runs in there. But even if that's not the reason, you can look at the lineup and say, this is why they don't put up runs. That said, you could still put together a, a dominant rotation and get into the playoffs that way. You absolutely can. And if you ask me, I'm more of a pitching guy than an offensive guy, so I'd rather have the the strong rotation with the ace returning in Harvey, but that's with that said, you have to wake up today and f- figure out you know where do you add another starting pitcher because one of your other up and coming top kids is is gonna go down with Tommy John that's tough news today. tough news uh here locally with the Red sox a story that I'm sort of Rattled by it, does have to do with pitching, and you know, Koji Uehara has not looked good, 40 year old closer. Now, the Red Sox traded what I thought to be closer of the future in Ruby De La Rosa to uh, the Diamondbacks, along with Allen Webster, for Wade Miley. And look, Miley's had his issues here in spring training, but and I don't want to look at spring training stats and again overreact to them, whether it's success or failure. You know, Wade Miley is a Bakken problem. And people have said, well, that's because his move to first is so good that it's on, it's right on the line. I guess. I guess. It's still a Bakken problem. And a Bakken problem is not a good thing. But let's, you know, what Wade Miley is, is a guy that people, see, the Red Sox have a rotation. It's the rotation of hope. And I get that. I'll be the first to tell you that hope is the greatest thing in the world. but. You don't wanna have a rotation of hope when it comes to your starting rotation of Major League Baseball. And that's what the Red Sox have. They hope to get big seasons out of guys who ado they think for big seasons. They hope ado for big seasons. Uh, it's it's not really a comfortable feeling that I have coming into this year. Obviously you add you stacked up the offense. You got Panda, who's better in the playoffs than the regular season, uh, and I'm okay with that. You got Hanley Ramirez, who looks like he's put on some muscle mass and really got jacked up this offseason, and I'm excited to see him hit at Fenway. Um, But I, if you're a Red Sox fan, I don't know how you feel good about the pitching staff, and not just the rotation, not just this rotation of hope. How about the bullpen? And the closer situation that you're in, that you might find yourself in a tough spot early on, right away, and maybe that spot ends up being a little bit tougher because you, don't, you no longer have a guy like Ruby De La Rosa, who I thought was your closer of the future, to step in and, and take, the, take the keys to the car, so to speak. De La Rosa got traded for a pitcher that I don't know that I would have traded him for. But that's the reality, he's gone, and Koji Uihara's 40, Koji Uihara had some big time issues last year, especially down the stretch, end of the season, they blamed it on injury, we saw that last year, it was pretty clear that there was something going on with his shoulder, but again, 40, years old, and this spring, he's run into his issues recently, I won't overreact to the issues that he's having. But it doesn't just come out of nowhere based on the type of season he had last year. And if you read reports now today, it certainly doesn't come out of nowhere. Because uh, according to reports, Koji Uihara's spring training performances and his recent hiccups have been explained by manager John Farrell with this. That Uihara is prioritizing his cutter a pitch that he previously has implemented into his pitching arsenal. Now, that's all I have to read to know something's wrong. And if you're 40 years old and you have a nasty splitter, nasty splitter when you're healthy, okay? Koji's splitter, that's the nastiest pitch that I've seen. I mean, he throws throws a fastball at what, 88? if he's lucky, and then he gives you that splitter when it's good. What is it, 81, 80, if I'm recalling that correctly. Either way, you know what it looks like when you see it down and away to lefties, and he can throw it down and outside to righties. He really can throw it anywhere, and it's just dirty. It falls off the table, and it goes do- cuts down and hard to the right. Uh, he could tell someone he's throwing it. He could tell someone where he's throwing it, and they can't hit it when it's on, you have a pitch that dominant, and then you sort of lose something on it last year, and you're 40 years old, and now in spring training as a 40-year-old, you're implementing a cutter into your arsenal? Um, or at least, it doesn't matter what the pitch is, to be honest. You're, you're putting a new pitch? You're, you're working on a new pitch? I don't like hearing this. I don't. I don't like hearing this. And I start to look at the bullpen, and I start to say, what do you got? Who steps in? Who's the guy? Who's the next man up? Uh, and I honestly thought that we'd be having this conversation this year with Ruby De La Rosa. And he's not here. He got traded with Alan Webster for Wade Miley. And it puts, an, in my opinion, it puts an off, this now puts an awful lot of pressure on a guy like Wade Miley. He better be fucking good, okay? He better be good. And from what I've seen out of him, I'm not sold that he's going to be. And I am not talking about just spring training. I'm talking about in the past, his last regular seasons. I mean, I'm not not in love with Wade Miley as a guy on this Red Sox rotation, Red Sox staff, that's going to be lights out dominant this year. And I guess I have a concern that all of this with Koji is going to happen and maybe he'll no longer be the reliable closer for us, for this Red Sox team. And my concern is that Ruby De La Rosa is going to be lights out in the National League. Lights out. Lights out. Um, I already have that concern. I already have big-time concerns with the Red Sox pitching staff. If you, if you ask me, Danny, do you like the Red Sox pitching staff? No, I don't. I don't like it. I, you know, I I don't like this idea that we're hanging our hat on on the hope that Some of these guys have a breakout season or can uh, have a dominant season that they're due for. A couple guys on contract years, he's signed a one-year deal. Uh, I don't know. I I, I, I don't like that. So, and then you hear other stuff that's happening in the bullpen. I'm not confident in it. They're going to need to show me. Uh, The only way they can show me is with regular season baseball. We are almost there. Uh, And speaking of regular season baseball, we talk about how the time of games – and how it's, you know, been a- affected uh, with the new rules and, you know, the new pace of play rules where a hitter has to keep one foot in the batter's box unless, of course, he swings or there's a wild pitch or there's a foul um, and how they're thinking about putting a pitch clock in next season. Uh, Jonathan Papelbon, well, he he knows what's going on. He knows it's being talked about. he also knows that he's a guy that's being talked about with uh, being a pitcher that slows the game down. Um, And he has a solution. He has a solution, and it doesn't involve a pitch clock. It doesn't involve a hitter keeping his foot in the batter's box. It doesn't. Here is Jonathan Papelbon's solution. He says, and I'm reading this from Rob Bradford, weei.com. Jonathan Papelbon's solution for speeding the game up, he says, quote, it's a game of adjustments. I've been able to make adjustments. I haven't struggled with adjustments, but it's not going to affect the way I pitch. I just think, and I know I'm a pitcher saying this, if you want to speed the game up, tell the umpire to raise his right hand more. There are other ways to do it other than trying to get in the way of the game. There's a reason why there's never been a time clock on this game. And he makes a great point. He makes a great point. The strike zone. He's basically saying, open up the strike zone. You know, stop, stop nitpicking. Stop making us paint. Open that strike zone up a little bit more. And, you know, has that tightened up over the years? Maybe to certain guys. You know, do we live in... See, we live in a world now where you can't watch a fucking game without a big old pit zone next to the, <laughs> next to the pitcher and the hitter. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. Because there'll be a pitch... And I hate especially when like the color commentator says, oh, that looks, you know, they called that a strike, but clearly that pitch was outside of the pit zone. And it's like outside of the pit zone by a fucking like by a hair. I mean, it's not even right. And in real life, the distance between where that ball ends up on the outside of the pit zone in real life, if you're behind the plate. You can barely tell, you probably can barely tell the difference, especially a pitch that's coming in at 90 miles an hour. So the pit zone is so fucking stupid. I hate watching it. It's one thing if they want to show it to us, like break down in at bat and they put it there, but they give it to us now, like it's on the screen and there's nothing you can do about it. They should let us, they sh- we should have the option. And I don't know how they'd make that work, but they should give us two channels. One channel, if you want to drive yourself crazy with a pitch, pitch zone, and another channel where you have the option of don't show me the pitch zone, and the minute they start to talk about the pitch zone, start playing elevator music or something. Like, give me something else. I don't even want to hear about it. And and maybe, you know, that has something to do with, I think, because if I'm an umpire and there's a pitch zone, and all of a sudden, you know, my strike zone is criticized, right? Based on a fucking graph that's on a screen, TV screen, for the world to see. That's like you seeing how I, I wouldn't I would hate that. I would absolutely hate that if I'm a home plate umpire. Any umpire. Because now everybody can see my work. You know, everybody can critique my job. And, and you know what I say? I say, hey, you wanna uh, you want to be an umpire? Right? You wanna be uh, you want to sit in your couch and be a home plate umpire? Well, why don't you have, take a day and stand behind home plate and we'll let you call balls and strikes because you're a fucking expert because you watch it on TV? No. But they get criticized, and I think they they, they change the way they call it based on, you know, I think they, who knows? Do they go back and think, and watch a game and see what, you know, is was their strike zone good? Do they need to tighten up the strike zone? You know, we put them under this microscope based on this pit zone that they show on TV, and I hate it. And Papelbon is basically saying, hey, you want to speed up the game? Don't act, don't, don't bring in a pitch clock. Don't bring in, um, you know, don't, don't change the way the game's played. How about you just start calling strikes? Stop being so nitpicky. And get rid of that stupid pit zone on TV that you have, too, because that makes no sense. This is, as I said, a simple game. You throw the ball, you catch the ball, you hit the ball. And, you know, it's to all of a sudden break down a strike zone on TV with a graph every single pitch, that's that's not the way the game was meant to be, you know. There's a strike zone, there's an eye test, the umpire calls a ball and strike, and I do think his strike zone is, is now influenced based on these graphs they show on TV. And I don't like them. And maybe Papamon's got something there. Open up the strike zone a little bit. Maybe, maybe that's what you do. I'd be okay with that. I don't want to clock. You know how I feel. I do not want to clock. I don't even like the idea of having hitters needing to keep one foot in the batter's box. You know, there are certain guys that frustrate you, that a human rain delay is like Johnny Gomes. Just, it's tough to watch him hit because he'll, his at-bats are like 17 minutes long. Manny Ramirez used to be a similar fashion, right? It would just take forever. But, you know, it's not everybody. And bottom line is, this is a thinking game. And if you haven't guys think about time more than the next pitch they're going to hit or throw, then I think that's where you start going down the wrong road with the sport. And I don't like it one bit. So maybe Papelbon is onto something. And then Papelbon, another interesting quote here. Um, This is, and I'm reading this from Rod Bradford. This, in 2010, this is what he said about the need, people wanting shorter games. He said, quote, have you ever gone to watch a movie and thought, man, this movie is so good, I wish it would have never ended? That's like a Red Sox-Yankees game. Why would you want it to end? He said, you can't win an Academy Award for an hour and 10 minute movie. Now, I get what he's saying. Certainly some Red sox yankee games, you know, when it's a blowout and those things continue to last forever, it's a different story. But, you know, when I'm watching a Red Sox-Yankees game, I'm not looking at my clock. I'm not looking at my watch. I'm not looking at the time on my phone. It's just not something I'm doing, especially if it's a close game. So I sort of agree to him to that point. But we're getting into a topic we already covered because you know how I feel. I don't want a clock. I think that the people who want the game to be shortened the minute they do things to shorten the games, those people still are not going to watch. On a nice summer night in July, I, no. Those people are still going to be on their boat. They're not going to be home watching a Red Sox game. They just won't. They just won't. So, hey, maybe Papelbon, maybe he's got something there. Um, so, there we go. This is spring training. We covered everything. NFL. I miss everything. I miss anything from the weekend. Stanley Cup playoff races are going on. The Bruins last night, they lost to the Capitals. You know, I hear people back home here talking about what happens when Krejci returns. When Krejci returns, he's the top-line center. Okay? That's... We'll end that conversation right now. Um, Ryan Spooner, I keep him in the lineup. I take Campbell out. I'd have Spooner, uh, fourth-line center. I would. Campbell. As Campbell's out. I'd have Spooner with uh Pie and Talbot. Um... You know, if you wanted to mix that up a little bit, maybe put, who knows, if you want to put Talbot, uh, Pae or Talbot in the third line and move Kelly down to the fourth to go with Spooner, you could do that. Mix that up. Mess with that. Don't mess with Krejci. I think you, st- you put Krejci, Lucic, and Pasternak. That's what you do. Uh, and if you're the Bruins right now, you know, I think you got a shot to maybe catch Detroit. And if you catch Detroit, that means you're going to play probably Tampa in the first round. And that would be the most favorable matchup for the Bruins in the first round if they play the Tampa Bay Lightning. I I don't think, similar to how I feel about the Celtics, I don't think the Bruins are going to make a championship run. But certainly it can't hurt the the Bruins to get some playoff experience for kids like Postonok, a kid like Spooner. You know, thinking that you'll still play Spooner when Krejci gets back, I don't think, you know, that stuff can't hurt you. But um, I don't think there'll be any championship runs here for the Bruins and the Celtics moving forward. So I can't wait for spring training uh, to end and regular season baseball to begin. The snow here in Boston is melting, and there is some news that I actually just forgot. Pete, we, we, we surpassed our career snow total here in Boston last night. It wasn't a lot. Was it, what did we get? Did we get two inches, maybe? Yeah, I think the two inches put us over the mark. It put us over the top. Yeah. It's somewhat depressing. But we've a lot of the snow has actually melted at a much higher rate than I ever would have expected. Now, in Salty, on the main roads, they did snow removal the last couple of days because yesterday was the St. Patrick's Day parade in Salty that I did not take part in because I had to work. You're not a parade guy, though? I, well, I mean, look, the, the St. Patrick's Day parade in Salty is a big day. It's always been a big day my entire life. The problem is, as the years go on, it gets into this amateur weekend. It turns into this amateur weekend that is so frustrating now to even be around. I mean, it's frustrating to even be in the area, to be in the neighborhood during St. Patrick's Day weekend. I mean, you have You would think that it's, it's the first day people have ever taken a sip of alcohol in their fucking lives. You know, I, here's the deal. It used to be a big day for us as kids. You know, even, you know, you get, you, you drink, we walk around, watch the parade, put a couple of Bud Lights and Solo Cups, even when we were underage, right? Families, my, my good friend's parents have this big party every year. We always end up there with a ton of food at the Cottas's house. Maureen Cottas makes a ton of great food. We always eat there. We have, you know, it's an, it, it, it was a good day. You watch a little of the parade, you have a couple beers. Everybody in the neighborhood, you know, people, we, we love it. You know, that was our day. You know, gentrification has taken over in the city. And year by year, it gets worse with regards to, like, yesterday, for example. Now, I had to work, okay? First time in a long time, I don't take part. Maybe first time ever, I don't take part in the St. Patrick's Day festivities in Southie. But uh, I had to work, so I got out of town early, right? And when I'm leaving... I'm going down first street and I see these, and it wasn't, it wasn't just like MBTA buses. It was fucking Greyhound buses, just letting unloading kids off college kids with backpacks with green face paint, just getting off the buses, you know, and you know, you know, they don't have an extra pair of sneakers in their backpack. You see, you know, everybody's got a 30 rack in their backpack. Um, you know, 30 or Bud Light or whatever they're drinking now in college, the Michelob, who knows what they're drinking. I don't know what the cheap beers are these days. Um, Keystone, is that still the, the cheap beer? I have no idea. I'm a, you know, I'm a Bud Light guy. And they're not paying me to say that, I'm just telling you how it is. Um, look, they're getting, they're unloading off of these buses, but that's not what it's about. It's not about college kids being able to come to Salty and stand and watch a fucking parade and then walk around by 6, 7 o'clock. Everybody's walking around like a zombie. Like, like it's, I get home at like 6.37. I'm driving down the street. And you don't know, I don't know anyone anymore. They're walking around like animals. Like, go into a bar. Go into an establishment. Go get something to eat. How about this? Fucking go home. Okay? Go home. What are you doing? Where are you walking to? You don't know where you are. Go home. Call an Uber. Ubers are running crazy all over Southie anyways, causing traffic. Nobody who drives them knows how to fucking drive. Um, I, I mean, go get an Uber. Take, get out of here. What are you doing? It's like the walking dead. So, it's just, it, it, you know, it's it's tough. It's, it's you know, I know I, I rant and rave about, um gentrification all the time but guess what but guess what as a little kid's always waving to me in the window as i'm throwing f-bombs ranting about so isn't it beautiful how this thing works little kids waving to me getting to skate shopping i feel like they, they, anytime they're in there you just feed off of that anytime you're that fired i'm going up. on like a serious rant with f-bombs is always like like i'm on <laughs> candid camera right like there's always somebody just watching this and they say, hey, let's send the kid in now. <laughs> oh, he's going to throw F-bombs about the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Let's send the kid in to get his skate shopping And now. go. Go. <laughs> make sure you wave, too. Make sure you wave. <laughs> Look real happy oh, when you wave, man. too. Anyways. Look like your dreams were just so, shattered. I'm happy. You know why? Because the St. Patrick's Day Parade is over. And that's where I'm at with it. It's to the point where I don't even need the parade anymore. Cancel the parade. We don't need it. People want to come to town that day. Have house parties. That's fine. Go to L Street Tavern. Go to the Beer Garden. Go up to Playwright. Go to Shenanigans. Do what you gotta do. I'm done with the parade. I'm done with it. Um, It it was to the point, too, where I was taking place in festivities. I wasn't even watching the parade anymore the last five years. My friends, we were just going to parties. That was it. Going to L Street Tavern. Going to Striggy's. That was it. Now? Yesterday? Huh. I know I said money doesn't grow on trees and I need the money, but... I probably could have switched. I didn't want to. I said, I'll work. I'll work. And I was so happy that I worked. Because I'm driving home and I'm watching all these fucking zombies walk around my neighborhood. That I don't know. That, that don't, that don't even, they don't even know where they are. Um, they just came to paint their face in green and put fake green mustaches on and take pictures in Southie. Awesome. Hope you had a great time. Guess when I'll be having a great time? This afternoon. When you're gone. When you're fucking gone. Ugh. All right. Sorry. Had to get that off my chest. Wrapping up the show on this Monday afternoon, Monday morning. Make sure you check it out. DannyPicard.com every weekday. Also on SoundCloud. Hopefully soon to be on iTunes. We're having crazy uh, issues on with getting it on iTunes. The uh, The podcast gods do not want the show on iTunes. Maybe they think we'll take over the podcasting world. I don't know. But... The podcasting gods want to battle? I will win this one, okay? I am not going to give up. I'll tell you that. We'll be on iTunes soon. And also, make sure follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard. I will be sending out the link to the Danny Picard Show NCAA March Madness bracket. The winner will get a $100 gift certificate to Beantown Athletics here in Dorchester, Massachusetts. You don't need to be from Boston to win that gift card. We can still send it to you, and we can hook you up with some stuff right here at Beantown Athletics, where I do the show every weekday. Again, DannyPicard.com. I'll tweet out the March Madness bracket link in just a bit the next couple days. So make sure you apply, fill out your bracket. But I don't know how you don't pick Kentucky to win it all. Talk to you tomorrow.